Welcome to LifePoint Church's podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope you are inspired by this message. What's up, family? Let's go. God bless you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's get after it today. James chapter 2. Appreciate everything. Love you guys. Staff, sneak that one in on us today. And uh, it's good. It's It's a privilege to be able to serve the community, as I always say. We're going to be pushing straight through in this. James is such an incredible book, and an absolutely incredible book. Real black and white stuff. It's been almost uh, described a lot as legalistic. For those of you who don't know what that means, it's like it's too hard. It's too hard. And it's not, right? But it is a, a book that kind of peels back the layers on our life. And I think we'll see some of that today. Because when we peel back the layers on things and different issues that we have, the things begin to be exposed, and they become exposed so that we can deal with them, right? And it's hard sometimes. It's like heart surgery, and you go in for cardiothoracic surgery. We know that the ailment is the heart. They've already done all of the work. They've already done all the tests, and they know that the heart is the issue, and yet they will take you, and they will lay you on a table, and they will make you sign a waiver, because you're going to risk your life to go undergo this procedure where they will actually put you to sleep, cut your chest open, saw your breastplate open, pull your chest apart to get to the heart of the issue. They're not trying to hurt you. They're trying to heal you. But there is a process in the middle of that that is quite violent and quite hard. But so very often people come out of that surgery and a year later they've felt better than they have in 20 years. It's an incredible process and that's really my prayer with the book of James is that it will get to the source of our problem, the heart of our issues and that God will deal with it. But there might be some cutting involved, there might be some sawing involved to get through the tough exterior so that we can get to the problem. That's really how I see the book of James and it's incredible that we do this. And here's here's the truth is that we are plagued as people. There was something inside of us as a staff we're studying the book of Genesis. And um, we're kind of diving in and we stop every Thursday and get together and discuss some of the, the, the process of creation and what God was trying to do and why are we here and what's our purpose and, you know, what is earth for and those types of things. And we see that the, this man, Adam, brings sin into the world. And I know we like to blame it on Eve. Eve was deceived. Adam just chose to sin. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a horrible thing that that was passed on to us. But we're all Adams here. You all have the opportunity to sin or not this week, and you're, you're either going to do it or you're not. You're going to either walk in obedience or you, you don't. But this, the issue is that we're, we're plagued with this sinful nature inside of us, that there's always this craving to do wrong. You don't have to really teach it. It's not hard for kids to pick up on it. We're selfish, and we're violent, and we steal, and we lie without even trying very hard. Anybody have to teach your kids to lie? No, they just lie. <laughs> right? They just lie and they steal and they, they're very, very selfish. They fight over toys and they're like, it's mine. And you're like, no, it's not. I bought this. This is my house. Everything's mine. You're mine. It's all mine. And then they get upset with you for saying that and it's a whole process, right? But so James is dealing with us and saying, hey, we've got to get to these issues. Not that this, this nature is going to go away, but that you have to crush it every single day. And then we have to combat the issues that are in front of us. And so, yes, it has a reputation of being harsh and a little bit in your face, but it's not confining and it's not legalistic in fact i would say that it is purpose 
for us. It is so helpful to us and will get inside us because we know that the truth will come and the truth, what will do? Set you free. That's what it is. And the truth is that there is a God who loves you so much that he sent his son to die for us on a cross. Not when you got it all figured out, not when everything was good, but that when you were at your very, very worst. It says he clearly demonstrated his love for us while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While you were still messing up. And because of that love is the goodness of God and his love that brings me to repentance. and causes me to turn away from the life that I was living and go towards him. And I don't, when I live like that, when I understand and stay connected to him, I just don't have to try very hard to do good things. It just comes out. I still have to battle this stuff of this guy that's inside of me every single day with this cultural tug of war. And today we're going to get through some really, really practical stuff. And it's helping us to get set up for this next phase in life. Our church is growing, 12 o'clock. There's a little bit of space, but you can already feel it growing back. 10.30 slammed, 9 o'clock was full this morning. So we're working towards that. So thank you guys for coming to the 12. I think it's a special service. It's a really, really good service. And, um, but, but God is getting us ready. Not just us, but us, the individual part as well. He's preparing you and us for what he has in store. The question is this, will you cooperate with him? He's going to do his work. Are you going to be on board or not? And so in this season this, as a, that's upcoming for us, we're saying this bus is going this way. This is where this bus is going. If you don't want to go that direction, don't get on this bus, right? We're going to tell you the truth because we love you. We're going to love you. We, lo we love hard here. We love uh, there's, a, there's a hive mentality of love here. And sometimes uh, everyone, every once in a while, it doesn't happen very often, every once in a while someone will come in here with something that's not love, and the hive mentality eats it up because this place is just, there's so much love in it. And I absolutely could not be happier to be here with you. Let's jump in. Chapter 2. Pick up where we left off last week and Wednesday. By the way, who was here Wednesday. My goodness, that was a great night. Listen, first Wednesday in November, don't miss it. I typically don't say you missed out, but you missed out last Wednesday if you weren't here. You just missed it. Uh, James chapter 2, verse 1. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord, Jesus Christ, if you favor some people over others? Yeah, that's right on your face right away. First, first verse, awesome. Let's get to it. Right? It's just a smack right there because everybody does this. Everybody. All of us have been judgmental at the site. And, and Miami's really the worst for it, right? Because we have the rich of the rich and the poor of the poor, right? You can literally go downtown and a guy will drive past you in the brand new Ferrari, Mercedes, fill in the blank, whatever car, and he will pass scores of people who don't have food and shoes and stuff. It's just abject poverty to the wealthiest of people, some of the wealthiest people in the world. And so we look at that and we're like, okay, that guy is blessed in life be because he has a nice car. Well, how do we know he's blessed? How do you know what he's go going through? Just because he drove by you in, a, in a, an expensive car? It's a car, right? Cars crash and they run out of gas and they break down. And what's very nice today in just a few short years won't be very nice at all. Right? And so we understand that. And how do we know that this guy is so poor? Right? He might be poor financially, but maybe he's richer than all of us. 
right? People love to say, my, my name is Richard. People call me Rich, right? And it's like, oh, you're rich. I'm like, rich in the Lord, right? <laughs> you know, we're, we're working on the other part. <laughs> maybe one day, maybe not. That's okay because I'm rich in the Lord. And that's what matters in this thing. And so how can you, listen, this, this, this is what you're going to have to get. Look at this one little word inside of verse 1 that I want you to get. It's two letters. It's the word in. This is, this is a crucial switch here. Right? Because we're not talking about just head knowledge. We're not talking about just heart knowledge. We're talking about a holistic attachment to the love of Jesus. That it's running in us and through us constantly. In John chapter 15, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Right? What did he say? Stay in me. Remain in me. Abide in me. Right? This is like there. I'm in you. You're in me. And it becomes so beautiful with this. And it becomes holistic at that point. And so if you're attached to a grapevine, you're not going to become a cherry. It's not going to happen. You're going to be a grape. And so if we're going to attach ourselves to the love of Jesus, if we're going to stand up here and we're going to fly our Christian banner and put our Christian ichthys on the back of our car. That's the little Christian fish. Right? It's Jesus Christ, God's son, Savior, ichthys. <laughs> it's, it, it, you're going to put that on here and you're going to say, oh, man, God is good and we got a cross and we're going to wear a cross. And we're going to say, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I love... you, you got to live it out. Because when you don't, it's, it's inauthentic. And that's what James is talking about. He's talking about genuine, authentic faith. It has to be real. And one of the first things that he attacks here, he goes on to kind of this, I'm going to smash this down. Do not show favoritism. Don't do it. And the reason he's mentioning it is because we do it all the time. Again, it's our society. It's our context. This wasn't just, just for here. It's very prevalent in our society today that we see this, but we aren't, we aren't to do it. And so he begins his assault and condemnation of prejudice. And it's not just a racial thing, but that's part of it. We'll talk about some of that later. But the preferential treatment that is so evident in our society, and um, I'm, I'm thankful that it doesn't happen here very much. I think there is pockets of it, and that's why we're talking about it today. Verse 2 says this, for example, suppose someone comes in to your meeting dressed in a fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another one comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Whew. Right? I mean, all that. Every one of us has been guilty of judging somebody when they came in the room. Maybe this room, maybe another room, doesn't matter because it's all church all the time. Because they think, oh, church is just Sunday. No, it's all church all the time. It's all Jesus all the time. It's all missions all the time. Right? If we get that right, if we learn to quit segmenting our lives and understand that he wants it all and he wants it all the time. Right? This is what we're talking about, getting this right. We cannot, the, the, the translation there from the original language, you can stand over there, I'll sit on the floor. He's really like, under. you can kind of go under that seat over there. Can you imagine doing that to people? But I think it's less about the physical act, which the physical act is part of it, but also the mental part of, of doing that to somebody. That's to say, hey, you go stand over there. We have a place for you. Segregation, this, that, this segmented society, it just doesn't work, and we have got to fight against it. And, there, I mean, maybe, maybe you've discriminated against yourself. Maybe, maybe. But here's how he combats this. Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? Oh, man, that's, 
It's so counterintuitive. Again, I told you, it's like, that, guy, that guy's blessed. Look at his blessed life. He had so much. I wish I had what he has. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to say the rapper's name, but even back quite a few years ago, somebody said, more money, more problems. He's like a prophet or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's like, he's not off, right? I mean, people don't even, they come into wealth, they don't even want people to know they have money, Right? Why? Because they know that people are going to come out of the woodworks and it's going to be this and this kind of problems and this kind of issues and this kind of, kind of things. But, man, God has chosen that, that, that blessed are the poor, right? So they inherit the kingdom of God, that there's something inside of that that we learn to trust on God and not on our resources or our money or our bank account or our position. And yet we fight against this all the time. Remember back in, in chapter 1 last week, he said in verse 9, believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. Really? Well, that's what it says. So we have to begin to believe that, resolve to believe it. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them because they will fade away like a flower in the field. Look at verse 6 here. But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Everybody knows probably a shrewd businessman. I have a friend of mine who was extremely wealthy in the early 90s, like extremely wealthy. He lost everything. We brought him groceries so he had food to feed his family. He lost everything. Gained it all back. All back in this beautiful process. But I think there was a pruning that happened in him. Something began to happen inside of him that he understood. Now, he was very shrewd before. I would say that he was not Christ-like in his business dealings. He would probably say that too, and I have permission to share this story. Don't worry, I'm not gossiping about him. He's, he goes around and travels this story. He would share it here if he was here. But he would tell you this, that he had to learn something about this, that it's not always like, I've got to win the deal every time. Drag everybody into court and let me get over on you and do this and do that. No, it's got, we've got to be better than that if we're going to fly the Christian banner, if you're going to fly the disciple banner, the Christ-following banner. Verse 7 says, aren't the, uh, aren't they the ones who slander Christ, whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law. Ooh, that, that's powerful right here. The royal law as found in scriptures. What's the royal law? Love your neighbors as yourself. Is anybody doing this well? If you are, I'd like to meet with you so you can teach me and show me. I mean, I'm, I'm getting better, right? There's progress. It's not perfection. It's progress that's happening in my life. But you know why this is the royal law? Because it wasn't man-made. This isn't some man-made decree in life. This is bigger than that. It's bigger than that. This is a decree that came in Levitical law from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's why it's the royal law. Look at it. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 18. Just listen. Do not seek revenge or bear grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord your God. Well, who's your neighbor? <laughs> Anyone you come in contact with. Well, that's not my neighbor. My neighbor, he lives right here, and, you know, you know I steal his mangoes because his tree hangs over mine. Jaira, you, know? you are enough. <laughs> it's like this beautiful, beautiful thing, right? The Lord's prayer. No, I'm not talking about that. Yes, he is your neighbor, right? But also, this guy that you on the street, doesn't matter. If he's got a Ferrari, praise God, that's your neighbor. If this guy doesn't have shoes, he's your neighbor. 
We're all each other's neighbors. You are the neighbor to anybody, and it's supposed to happen. And so this royal decree that comes down from the king of kings is considered the king of laws, right? Of course, that we would love God with our whole heart, with our whole mind, with all of our strength, with everything that's inside of us, that we would love him. His love would just take over us and permeate in us. But this is the king of laws that we would do this right. The reason he's saying it is because he knew we would struggle with it. He knew we would struggle with loving our neighbor. And why? Because we're all different. We're all different, right? And it becomes a challenge to us. And this is what he says in verse 9. He says, but if you favor some people over others, you're com- you are committing a sin. <laughs> the Bible also says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way, right? We've all fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned, right? And maybe this is one of us that helps us. Uh, fall into that category, but she says you're guilty of breaking the law. You're guilty of it. Well, what is what? What are our prejudices, or what are our markers for for putting somebody into a category in our mind? They could there's there's hundreds of them, right? And the number one probably talked about is race, right? We're just going to allow race to segregate us, which is crazy. Why would we do this? God made all these beautiful people in different races, and it's beautiful, the variety that we have. We should welcome that into every scenario in our life. But it's not just race that we're talking about. It's also could be wealth. We just talked about it, right? Could be home. Oh, that person has this home. They live in a certain neighborhood. They live in a gated neighborhood, gated community. What about clothes, education, marital status, too few children, no children, too many children, right? Color, race, heritage, culture, family, occupation. This part, oh, man, they got it together. Look at their job. They got the perfect title. Grammar, they don't even know how to talk, right? Years of being a Christian. Oh, I've been a Christian for 40 years. Well, praise God. You still look like a maniac, still act like crazy, you know what I mean? You do something, right? Ministry, oh, you have this ministry, you have that ministry, oh, I serve in this. What about spiritual gifts? Some of you have this spiritual gift. Oh, you don't have that spiritual gift? Oh, you need to go over there and tarry in the prayer room for a while and see if God will dispense that to you because you don't have what I have, so you're not there, right? Or effectiveness for the kingdom and what you're doing and all of that and personality. Personality is a big one. My daughter's informed me recently, I didn't know, but apparently I have a really big personality. You guys laugh. <laughs> and, um, I don't think it's that big, but apparently it's really big. And um, I'm working on that. I want to get better at that. But I don't want anybody to push me aside because of my big personality. And I don't want to push anybody else away for a big personality because it's conflicting with my personality. And I don't want to push anybody away for being shy. But the Lord gives us choices in life, and picking friends and acquaintances is, is part of life. We get to pick and choose who we want to hang out with, right? We just, like, start hanging out with somebody. We're like, I really like them. I want to hang out with them more. And that's what you do. That's part of the process of life. But we don't get to pick and choose who God brings into the family of God. And when he brings them into the family of God, they're just welcome into your family. And you need to understand that. And just because of personality or this or this or that, you don't get to discriminate against anybody. Just let me make this extremely very clear to everybody in here. I just want to make it abundantly clear. I did it in all services today. Everybody is welcome at this church. I don't care what they look like, what they smell like, what if they wear these clothes, that clothes. I don't care if they're going through this issue or that issue. If you make them not feel welcome, I'm going to have a talk with you. 
It won't be a building up conversation for you. It will be corrective in nature because everyone is welcome to this house. Now, we don't want everybody to stay how they came in. We want God to change them. I come to this house every day and say, God, change me. Make me more like you today. I can't afford to be the same guy as that I came in. I've got to be different today. Help me to love my neighbors. Help me to love everybody in this place. And my goodness, we're here. We know that some people in Homestead are just hard to like. We, we love them with the love of Jesus, but they're hard to like, right? Maybe some of you, that's your family. You're like, God, help me like my kids. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. It's tough. What he's dealing with us is this preferential treatment, the prejudice that comes over us in life because of the conditioning. And James is trying to help us move into a consistent life in everything that we say and do becomes real. Look at verse 10. For the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of the laws. Right? I don't, I don't do this or that. Why is it that everybody else's inequity is highlighted and mine's not? Why is it? Why is it that it's just like, man, you might not even gossip about it. Right? You might just keep it in your head, but you're thinking it. Oh, man, this person, they struggle with that. I, praying for them. Are you? Or is your mind just scheming about their problems? There's a reason that the Bible said, hey, get the log out of your own eye before you start getting the, the splinter out of other people, people's eye. But really what he's saying in here, because this is the truth, you got enough to worry about in your own life. Quit worrying about other people's stuff. Now, if somebody has invited you into their life to say, hey, I would like to be accountable to you. Would you help sharpen me? Would you get better? Would you tell me where you think I'm slipping? Would you pray for me? Would you actually be a listening ear with that I can confess my faults to so that I can get better? I mean, the beautiful process of the confession of faults that James actually talks about. Confess your faults to one another so that you can be healed, right? God does the healing, but he uses people in the process. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing, but you have to be invited into that. Unless the Lord gives you a word and you, you, you better get it right. <laughs> right? Seven most dangerous words in Christianity. The Lord told me to tell you. <laughs> be careful. You better get it right because everybody wants to be a prophet, but not everybody wants to get killed with rocks like the old prophets did. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy process, but I don't want to just continually seeking out everybody's glaring problems in their life. I got my own glaring problems that the Lord is dealing with me on and he's will he's going to deal with us verse 11 says the same God who said you must not commit adultery also said you must not murder so if you murder someone but do not commit adultery you've still broken the law you know what let me just tell you mine I told the other two services I wasn't going to do this today but it is something that I struggled with in the last few years that the Lord is helping with is is not taking a Sabbath some of you don't know what a Sabbath is some of you think that playing golf is a Sabbath. No, it's not. Because you get mad and you throw your clubs and you're frustrated. It's not very peaceful, right? <laughs> it's not a Sabbath. Maybe, maybe, maybe it is. I shouldn't have said that. Is, that. is that your calibrating moment with God out there? God, God needs you. Those two, two letters to stay in, to remain in, to abide in. And when you do that, it's like uh, we don't do very, 
we don't do a great job of just doing that all week long. He wants us to do it. And this is why it's not just about like, okay, I did, I did my daily reading today. No, this is, I need, I need God every minute of every day. I can't breathe without him. I can't walk right without him. I've got to stay that deep, deep connection. So I wasn't taking a Sabbath. And the Lord, like I was like a mess. I mean, I wasn't falling apart. I was just like, I'm tired. I'm burned out. I'm real frustrated. I'm going to keep on going because we can do that. We know, I'm like, I know how to do church. I've been in church my whole life. I've been in church for 45 years. I know how to do church, but I want to just do church. I don't want to do that. And I felt myself just like trying to like squeeze out produce. And I, that's not what God wants from us. And he said, just right at the right time, God sent me Pastor Robert Morse's, some of his teachings on Sabbath. It rocked my world. I didn't know that I was stealing God. And the reason I'm saying this is because it's all under the same law. And if you look at the Ten Commandments up there, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And then thou shalt not kill and steal and covet your neighbor's wife. But tucked in there is what? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So now I start dealing with a pride issue because I think I can fix everybody else's problems, right? And so they call me on the day and they, they think it's your day off, right? It's not my day off. It's my Sabbath, those are different. It's a commandment. And so don't think that people won't, won't, won't try to get in and, and, and get you to do things, right? Nobody's going to show up on my door with black tar heroin. That's not a struggle for me. But what he will do is I try to break my Sabbath and say, oh, can you help over in this situation? Oh, yeah, let me go over there because it's my goodness that brings people to repentance. No, it's not. That's a lie from the pits of hell. And we start thinking like that, it takes over you, and all of a sudden, I'm breaking Sabbath. So listen, I'm only telling you this, so like, sometimes when you come to me, like, if I'm not available for that, it's because I'm, it's not my day off, it's my Sabbath. Why? Because look at this. If you're going to ask me to break my Sabbath, why don't you just ask me to kill somebody? Because they're both in the list. It's all on the same list. Don't tell me like, oh, I got all of these. And it's not about the checkoff list. I get this. I don't want this to become legalistic. But we do, we do have to understand something. That when I'm staying connected with God, again, if you're connected to the grapevine, you're not going to become a cherry. Right? You're not going to become a sour lemon. You're going to become a grape. And that's what we want. But really what we're talking about here, and James is talking about, is the, pro the problem is our, our inconsistent obedience. We're pretty consistent right here. Nobody's drifting off in a never-never land right now, probably. Maybe a couple of you. <laughs> this is a pretty safe place to, to grow and to feel good. It's like, I feel loved today. Raise your hand if you feel loved today. All right, okay. You don't feel loved? I love you. <laughs> Jesus loves you, right? But the inconsistent obedience, because the truth is, you're going to walk out of here in just a few minutes and get confronted with the same stuff probably you, you walked in with. You're either going to pick it up or you're not going to pick it up. Don't say, God, help me to not pick it up today. Let today be different. Let today be a thing where it's a marker. This, it marked my life today that I no longer see people as I want to see them or I think they should be seen, but I begin to see them with your eyes, Lord, that, that way. Verse 12 says, whatever you, whatever you say, whatever you do, remember it will all be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. How are you doing on mercy? How's your compassion? Let's check the oil on that one. We're pretty hard on people. 
especially in South Florida, there's a lot of homeless people, a lot of vagrants, a lot of people begging for money, and we're pretty quick to judge those guys, girls, without knowing. We judge the rich people, too. We just judge them like they've done everything right. Well, they haven't. They're people. But the, the point is to be boringly consistent when you walk with Christ. If he tells you to give somebody money, give them money. But immediately we're like, oh, man, they're, they're just going to spend it on stuff that's bad for their bodies. And then I'm going to run to McDonald's and eat a quarter pounder, <laughs> which is bad for my body, <laughs> right? <laughs> so who am I to judge what's right? Now, I'm not saying that, that like, we want to help people. And a lot of times I think it's less about the dollar or five dollars this. And I think it's more about the time to say, hey, man, do you know something? Acts chapter 3. Right, Peter and John on the way to church, right, the gate called beautiful, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I've got something for you that's different than money, but that takes time to do that. And if we're honest, like who wants to invest the time? It's just easier to throw a dollar at it. But is that what God has called you to do? This is about being consistent in how we walk. This is about love in action. Total obedience is the key. The ordination. And some of you think you got to go through some training to be ordained to, to, to go out and do something. Listen, in case you don't know, this today is your ordination service. Go do something for Jesus today, this week. Love somebody. Feed somebody. And by the way, we don't need a campaign for everything. Like I love outreach. Right? I packed up my life and went to China because I love people. I was sick for four years over there. I'm not telling you what I did. I'm just saying, like, I love that. But what I love better than an event is a culture of outreach. I don't want to just do events. We do events here. We don't broadcast it all. By the way, you can do nice things for people and not put it on social media. It's okay. Like, it still happened. Right? You can do that. But so very often people call. They're like, this. hey, there's a guy down. Uh, they call the church. There's a guy down in the corner. He needs a sandwich. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll collect an offering on Sunday, and uh, hopefully that guy won't fade away. We're like, get the guy a sandwich. You know, we don't need a shoe drive every time somebody needs some shoes. How many of you got extra shoes in your, in your closet? Okay, the rest of you are lying. You got too many shoes. This is South Florida. Everybody loves shoes here. I'm the chief of those sinners. Um, <laughs> Are you laughing, Fernando? <laughs> it's true. I'm the chief of that one. Look at it. What, what good is it? Verse 14, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you don't have faith, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Oof. Why is James so hard? It's not hard. It's good for us. It's good for us to get this inside of us and Start thinking, like, are we, are we doing well with this? Is LPC doing well with this? Are we loving people? Are we, are we treating them well? And it's not just an, an event where we pass out food, but it's a culture of people who want to love people. Light doesn't have to squeeze out light. <laughs> you walk into a dark room, you're not like, let me be light. <laughs> no. Light walks into the darkness, and it just works. Just works. Salt doesn't just change the flavor of the surrounding, but it also preserves the wonderful preservative. This may be as you are answering the call of God in individual moments, you light up their life and season their life, but also 
preserve something beautiful. Right? Joseph, Genesis 50, 20, standing before his brothers, and his brothers, the father's dying, and they're like, surely you're going to kill us now. It's over. Said, what you meant for harm against me, God meant for good to bring about this present resolve to preserve many people to life. Joseph, seizing the situation, was able to show the love of Jesus to essentially his family and his enemies, sold him into slavery. This wasn't an event for him. This was something that was inside of him at the deepest part of him, consistent obedience and highs and lows. And Verse 15 says this, see, suppose you see a brother or sister who does not have food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, and have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But you don't give that person any food or clothing. What, what good does that do? But you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now here, right after the James gets a little bit squirrely, and people love to fight over this. Oh, it's just too, too legalistic, you know, and just too, too much, too much law, too much stuff, too much. You can't be saved by works, and he's not saying that. He's not saying that. But I was reading this, and it's the, theologian. He wrote it like this, and I just love the way he wrote it. He said, great claims may be made about a corpse that is supposed to have come to life. But if it does not move, and there are no vital signs, no heartbeat, no pulse, it's still dead. The false claims are silenced by the evidence. Wow. Dead body here, and you're telling me, no, I've been, I've been made alive in Christ. It's something amazing has happened. It's been happening, but it's, there's no pulse. There's no life. He's not talking. He's not walking. He's not testifying to the goodness of God. He's not ministering. He's not reaching out. He's not helping. There's no evidence. I'm going to go. That's a dead body. That's what we're dealing with here. Verse 18 says, Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others good deeds, but, but I say, How can I? You show me your faith if you don't have good deeds. I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You're going to tell me how much you love Jesus. Great. Cruz Ramirez said, don't talk about it. What? Be about it. Don't talk about it. Be about it. And the people who, who talk the talk, that's fine. But the people who walk, walk it out. You know what those people are? Like, you know if somebody that just always comes through, they're like, they come through and you're just like, mm, yes. <laughs> That's Jesus. <laughs> now he's looking at you for the world to send you out. And you're like, oh, I hear you. I, I see you talking to talk. Right? And a lot of times you don't, the people who are walking the walk, they don't talk the talk. Why? Because they're too busy walking. <laughs> they don't have time to talk. Right? So you have faith that there is one God, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. <laughs> you believe in God? Welcome to the club. Everybody believes in God, right? People, even the people that say, oh, I don't believe in God, but I'm mad at you too. You know, it's like <laughs> that whole thing, it's a whole process that we're dealing with. <laughs> no, we, the, the, the demons know that there's a God, so do we. What are we doing with it? How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? One version says dead. 
Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? God told Abraham to move. He moved. Hey, march up the altar. He did. He packed it up. He didn't pack a sacrifice because God told him. He, he was moving in, in obedience. God came through. We know that. You see, his faith and his actions, they work together. When you say something and you do something else, as I've told you many times, it's just weird. It's just weird. Now you fail, I fail, we get mad sometimes, we, we mess up, that's, we got to do better. And I'm saying that we never do those things. But his faith and his actions work together. His actions, I love this, made his faith complete. God has called, called you, you guys to something. I told you, already in the Gideon series, everybody raised their hand. How many think you are called to more, chosen to do more? Everybody raised their hand. And so you got this calling, this purpose that's just sitting there. For some of you are like, okay, that's a lot. And so what I'm going to do right now, God, is I'm going to hold on to this purpose for you. I'm going to keep it nice and safe right over here. Cover it on the shelf. Don't want it to get dusty. <laughs> How many have been had that purpose and that plan and that process that God has for you on the shelf for years. See, it's not about the deed, right? But that's part of it. God wants us to be holy, whole, right? Also holy, holy, H-O-L-Y, W-H-O-L-Y. <laughs> holy, holy, right? Completely holy is moving us. And so when we get to the faith, faith is what drives the deed. And so if we purpose in our mind that, that God has this thing, he's got my life. God, do everything you want in my life, right? The Apostle Paul, Philippians chapter 1, verse 20, 20, it's my earnest hope and my expectation that in nothing I'll be ashamed, but that God will get the glory through my life in everything, whether it's by my death or, or life for me to live as Christ, for me to die as gain. It's my earnest hope and expectation that this is going to happen. Abraham believed it. Paul believed it. Do you believe it today? I believe that you guys do. I believe that's why you're here. But we're all in process of moving towards him and getting a little bit better. Verse 23, real quick. So I'm going to read the last, last four verses. And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God. God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. They're working together. It tells a quick story of Rahab the prostitute. She was shown right with her God, with God by her actions when she hid the messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. And the last verse says, just as the body is dead without breath, so is also faith is dead without works. Yeah. Listen, our relationship with God, it's, it's got to be more, it's got to be more than words, church. It's got to be more than words, and it's got to be more than words and deeds, right? It's got to be bigger than that because those are great, and a, a lot of times we're good, like on Sunday, of getting that right. I got my words and my deeds done today. Check, 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 check. What about the rest of the week? Because now we're moving to this place of, of, of consistent obedience with God every single day. And so our relationship with God must be more than just words. Abide in me. Stay in me. Remain in me. And we do this, it, it, something happens. And we begin to, when we do that, he begins to show himself 
to us more and more. The more he shows of himself, the more I want of him. It's a great Christian paradox of of being hungry and full at the same time. Why am I crying? (laughs) And so full, but one more. What is that? It's God's love. When you receive it, and it gets a hold of you, everything changes. And it begins to just permeate every part of your life. And again, you don't have to do deeds out of this, oh, just, oh, let me go love some people today. (laughs) Right? Sometimes it's like that. But, man, when I'm really close to God, I just love people better. And when I'm really close to him, I understand his love better. And the more I understand his love, the better I love. That's the way it is. The closer I am to him, the, the brighter my light shines. It just happens, right? Because here's what has to happen. We will display what you have experienced. That's why we say hurt people hurt people. People who are emotionally bleeding, they're bleeding on other people because they're displaying what they've experienced. But how many of you, again, raise your hand if if you will testify that God has done something remarkable in your life. Would anybody raise your hand and say, he has loved me with an everlasting love. I understand that there is nothing that can separate me from the love of Christ. No height, no depth, no breadth, no width. None of it. Right? And I'm I'm compelled and constrained by the love of Christ, and it's real. And so now that begins to display in my life. It's God's love in action. It's God's love in action. I don't want you to be like me. My goodness, don't be like me. Be like Jesus. I love what's happening in our church, and I I just see so many people just going after him. It's raw world that is actually making it easier I think it's making it easier for people to choose one way or the other before it was like oh I'm kind of in kind of out like no you weren't you were just out by the way listen if you're here let me let me tell you something I know I never want you to leave here going man I wonder if they love me here we we love you we are so glad that you're here you are so special you are so unique God has such a wonderfully crafted plan and path for your life and we want to help you. We want to help you get there. That's what we want to do. It's not my plan for your life. I don't know what God has in store for your life. But I know that Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says that it's exceedingly, abundantly more than we can ask or think. That's what God has for your life. But you, you've got you to stay connected. You've got to get connected. So as we understand that our life is really like a projector, right? What you put into there, the media that you put into there is what's going to project out onto the world. People see it. We can testify to it. But what comes out is what comes out. That's what's in there. God's got you guys. He's working in us, through us, and even right at this moment. Would you just stand across this room? Just bow your heads with me. I think the Lord is going to deal with some of our hearts today. you've experienced in life I don't know what spiritual media is getting ready to run through your projector 
right now, but I know that God wants to change you. Maybe some of you have displayed jealousy and prejudice, anger and frustration, hate, hurt, unforgiveness. Today is the day that God wants to remove all of that and fill you with his love. When that happens, the projection changes. You begin to display who he is and what he's done for us. Just keep your heads bowed, but just comfortable, just, just turn your hands, you don't have to lift them high, just turn, just turn them up, it's a posture of receiving, turn them to heaven, Father we thank you for your love, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to us, while I was at my very, very worst, you saw me and you loved me, and you clearly demonstrated your love for me and us by dying on the cross, your love's too good to leave us like you found us. You want to change us. You want to make us more like you. You want to change the projection in our life. You want to remove all the stuff that, that isn't God honoring. All the stuff that hurts. All the memories. Holy Spirit, I just pray that your healing touch would just come over this room right now. I believe that you're healing minds. Just receive healing in your mind. Maybe your physical body is broken. You need to touch. Holy Spirit, just touch bodies right now. Touch relationships right now. Bring healing in this room like never before. I pray that people walk out of here very different than we came in by the power of your love. Your grace and mercy are so real. They're so available. God, help us be who you've called us to be. Lord, don't let us look at people with our own eyes, Lord. We begin to look around with zero prejudice and zero ideas of about what people are or aren't, Lord, but we would just see them how you see them. God, we love you. We love you. You first loved us. I thank you for this church. I thank you for what you're doing inside of the individual lives and the families and the friendships and the communities that are happening in our large community here. God, you're doing something remarkable, but it's just the beginning. We do believe that you're going to do a abundantly more than we can ask or think Lord and so we just push it over to your hands our lives are in your hands our families are in your hands this church is in your hands do what you want with it Lord keep us in process potter's wheel the refining process listen guys don't despise that process do not despise it thank you Jesus Father, for your love. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for always walking with us. Continue to have your way in our lives. Believe in our heart. Confess with our mouth that you are our Lord and Savior. Be my Savior. Be the Lord of my life. Thank you for saving me. Pray all this in the wonderful, powerful, awesome name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Let's put our hands together for the word of God, church. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you want more information about LifePoint Church or want to get in contact with us, please visit www.lpc.is. We hope you have a blessed week.